Welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. This is the podcast designed to help you lead your life enthusiastically today, tomorrow, and every other day. I am your host, Ron Kaiser. I'm a positive health psychologist and also author of the award-winning and best-selling book, Rejuvenating the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm. My website is The Mental Health Gym. It's your source of all types of information related to wellness, rejuvenating, positive psychology, and generally becoming the best version of yourself that you can become. In that regard, as most of you know, our guests tend to be people who lead their own lives enthusiastically and have different spins on the way that they lead their lives and the ways that they can help you to lead specific aspects of your life in the most productive, positive, and healthiest way possible. And so to begin the year 2021, I think it's most appropriate that we have today's guest on the podcast. A lot of times during the holiday seasons, and I know this holiday season is a little different than, than others, but a lot of times holiday seasons are not a time that are devoted to fitness. In fact, perhaps just the opposite. So let's begin the year by getting in the best shape that we possibly can because everything else follows physical health. Brain health follows it, social involvements, confidence, and everything that makes you the best version of yourself. So today's guest is Mitch Kahn, who is the owner of Mitch Kahn Fitness. He is a personal trainer and body transformation specialist. Again, this is a good time to be thinking about body transformation. Mitch has been a personal trainer since 2009 and has worked with hundreds of people during that time. He holds many, many certifications, and his goal is to positively impact the lives of the people he works with by helping them become the healthiest, happiest, best versions of themselves. He specializes in helping people lose weight, get toned, become stronger, feel healthier and happier about themselves. And even more interesting, perhaps, than the things he does in his certifications is his journey to get to this point. Not necessarily what you expect from a personal trainer, but we'll hear about that in a few minutes. So without any Further comment, let me welcome Mitch Kahn to the Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser podcast. Mitch, it's great to start the year speaking with you. Yeah, Ron, uh, I appreciate you having me on. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to our conversation today. I love talking about fitness and transformation. Great. So do I. So I'm anticipating a terrific conversation. But why don't we start with some really simple stuff like what is Mitch Kahn Fitness? Well, Mitch Kahn Fitness originally started as my business for in-person training. And so I've been an in-person trainer since 2009. But with COVID, I actually, except for a few longtime clients, pretty much closed up my in-person business and switched to online training. So now I work with uh, people virtually, 
through several different programs I have to get them fitter, help them lose weight, you know, depending what they're what they're struggling with. So do you plan to continue that part of the business? In other words, is somebody living in, in a different area than you, will they be able to utilize your services in, in the foreseeable future? Yeah, my goal is just to keep it all online. And, and one of the reasons I really sort of am enjoying the move is I'm, I'm 67 myself. It's a little easier for me to work with people virtually than to work the odd hours that most personal trainers do when they're in a gym. Because usually you work early in the morning to fit in people's schedule or later in the evening. So this helps me have a little more balanced life myself personally. Well, that sounds great because it sounds like you work when other people aren't working when, when you're doing it in the in-person realm. Where are you, by the way, in, in person? I'm in uh, right outside of Nashville, Tennessee. Now, I mentioned that your personal story is probably, it's not as, as important as the advice you're going to give, but it's probably as interesting as the advice you're going to give. So if I understand, you said you're 67, you haven't been a personal trainer uh, since your 20s, I assume. What, what were you doing before and how did you get into this business altogether? Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting story because I've actually gone through two personal transformations probably in the last 12 years or so. But I had been active and athletic in my younger days. I played baseball and I played tennis. Just by virtue of working in the business world and getting busy and trying to grow my career, you know, I, I sort of dropped out of the fitness space and didn't find, didn't make the time to really work out. And then I traveled a lot for business, was eating out a lot, was on the road, probably drinking too much too. Over the years, it caught up with me. I gained quite a bit of weight. When I graduated from college, I was probably 185 pounds by my Late 40s, early 50s, I was pushing close to uh, 265. So I gained quite a bit of weight over the years. And I have some pictures of my myself before and after on my website and on my Facebook pages. One in particular at my 50th birthday party where I sort of looked like a blimp. But I really didn't take care of myself. And I knew I wasn't taking care of myself, but I was just too busy to really think about it. But I was I was starting to suffer from uh, a number of issues, you know, that are related to metabolic syndrome. I had high blood pressure, high cholesterol, high triglycerides. I was pre-diabetic. My dad had been type two diabetic uh, just by virtue of being overweight. Uh, he was on insulin for as long as I can remember, died younger than he should have just because he didn't take care of himself. And I felt I was going down that same path. And even with that, I couldn't bring myself to really get engaged on either the fitness or the nutrition side. But then a couple of different things happened. Initially, my younger son had played soccer 
and there was a father-son soccer game and I was out, it was an indoor game, so the field was not really big. After about 30 seconds running around the field, I thought I was going to die. I mean, I couldn't breathe. Um, and then not too long after that, we were at one of his outdoor soccer games, and I sat down on the canvas chair that we had to watch the game, and the chair broke on me. I mean, that was pretty embarrassing in front of all the other parents. And to make light of it, I, I looked at the label and said, maximum weight 250. So I joked about it with everybody else saying, I guess I weigh more than 250 because I really didn't know what I weighed at the time. And my wife had been after me for a long time to take better care of myself. And I don't know, it just was something that wasn't important at that point in time. But all those things sort of added up. And as I started to really think about it, got to the point that I realized I had to do something. So I I had a business that I sold in 2008. And so I sort of semi-retired. At that point in time, I decided to take control of my health. So I, I researched a lot and trained myself to eat better. I developed some different lifestyle habits. I started going back to the gym. Over time, I lost 75 pounds, and this was in 2008 and took about nine months into early 2009 to, uh, to get the weight off and get to, to feeling better. And I was working out pretty religiously at that point then because I had gotten back into to working out. And I'm sort of an obsessive type of person, so I wanted to keep learning as much as I could. So I, I decided to go for my personal trainer certification because I was having a lot of friends of mine ask me for help just by virtue of the fact that what they saw I had transformed myself into. And it sort of went from there, started training some people on the side. I was still doing a little bit of consulting work, but about six, seven years ago, I went full-time into uh, personal training in the gym and haven't looked back. I've kept the weight off the last, I guess, 12 years, continue to exercise regularly, and even now compete in the, uh, in the Senior Olympics and some track and field events. Well, that's, that's really inspiring, aside from being interesting, and, and certainly should give people a lot of hope that changes can be made. Maybe uh, you were a little little more motivated in that area than some people, but it sounds like it's not really too late to change regardless of, of your physical condition. No, no, I agree with that. And, and actually, that was my first transformation. I've actually gone through a second transformation because back about five or six years ago, I went for a physical and doctor noticed that my PSA was, was rising. He sent me to urologist to get that checked. You know, they monitored me for a while. It kept rising. So I had my first biopsy, came back with you know, signs of cancer in some of the cells. So I started to deal with that issue. And at the same time, I also had been sent to get uh, what's called a coronary uh, artery calcium score which sort of checks how much plaque buildup is in your uh, your arteries. And 
that came back really bad too. I had you, ideally you want to score zero. My score was close to a thousand. Hmm. So everything that was happening there with the prostate cancer and the the plaque buildup, I really attributed to my own fault for not taking care of myself and not eating properly and not not exercising. So that was an extra impetus. So again, I dove into researching, well, what could I do? And through a friend of my brother's was introduced to some of these plant-based doctors and found that they had had success with both cancer patients as well as uh, heart patients with you know going to a plant-based diet. So my wife and I pretty much overnight switched to becoming plant-based eaters back in uh, about five, five years ago. Because of that and because of the shape that I've, I was in, I still own my prostate and I'm just on active surveillance. So my, my Gleason score, which is actually way urologists grade the cancer in your prostate, actually has gotten better. And they attribute that to eating the plant-based diet. And then the plaque buildup in my body, while in my arteries, while I'm still at risk for it because of the way I eat and before, because of the way I exercise. They put me on a stress test a couple of different times, and I actually score as if I was in my 20s or 30s um, in, in good shape. So while I still have that risk, I'm able to control that again with my, both my nutrition and my uh, my activity. Well, that's really interesting that you've actually been able to do some reversing of the process uh, and or delaying aspects of it. And it's you should be real proud of it, but it's also very inspiring to to others who may have problems in this regard. Which leads me to the question: I mean, when uh, you see kids at play i mean they're running around they're doing things uh children tend to be active being out of shape doesn't seem like it should be a normal human experience and yet the figures on obesity are uh you know mind-boggling many of us have had the at least a block of time when we've been kind of out of shape. I'm just wondering, why do we get out of shape? Again, it's, you know, the kids eat from the beginning. We don't stop eating. You, you sleep. You know, there are people who have problems in this regard. But generally, the activities we start out with, you would think we would maintain them. How, how and why do we get out of shape? Yeah, that's an interesting question. And it's easy to say we just become lazy, but I don't think that's really the, the cause of it. You know, when you're a kid, you enjoy playing. Playing basically, at least when I was growing up, and probably you too, is playing outside, you know, running around with your friends, riding your bicycle, climbing the monkey bars, whatever the case may be. And you enjoy doing that. And I think as we get older and we get into our careers and our family, we tend to push that aside. And it's not because we're lazy. I think it's just because we don't make enough time for it. And what people don't realize is that if you can spend 30 minutes a day, and it doesn't have to be 30 consecutive minutes, it can be five or 10 minutes here, five or 10 minutes there, of just moving around and walking, 
you're you're going to make such a difference in in the way your body reacts because we're bipedal. We have two legs and we're meant to walk around and we don't. We instead we use our biggest muscle, you know, our gluteus maximus and we we sit on it all day. And that I think is the killer is that we we are so sedentary. We sit at everything we do, whether it's driving a car, whether it's watching TV, whether it's eating, and we don't make enough time just to just for daily movement, which it, to me is so important. That's really great advice, and I know sedentary lifestyle is really up there with things like smoking and obesity and so on in terms of you know, really being longevity records. So, I mean, it's a little scary to hear you say this stuff. So I'm wondering if somebody is listening, they're not obese, but they're kind of in the situation that I was at at one point where I was doing a pretty good job at work, doing a pretty good job with my family, not doing that great a job with my my activity level, uh, I don't think genetically I'm predisposed toward being obese, and I wasn't, but I remember just on, a, on an annual physical, I just re- remember the, the look on my uh, physician's face when he asked me what I did for exercise, and that's about what I told him. <laughs> you know, I'm, I kind of thought I did something, but I couldn't really name it. You know, and I think there are a lot of people in the, the same boat. They're, they may not have the same incentives in, that you've described in your case of, in terms of having a really diagnosable deteriorating condition. But what advice do you have for somebody who they're listening? Hey, this makes a lot of sense, but I don't know how to start. Do I, I guess, let, let me stop there and, and not suggest anything. Yeah. And, and, and that's a, that's a really good question. I, the government recommends 150 minutes a week of activity. And so that's over the course of seven days. That's just a little over 20, 20 some minutes a day. So it really doesn't take that much. I've dealt with a lot of clients in the gym, particularly that would come in and they'd never worked out in their life and, and weren't exercising. A lot of them were younger than me and looked like my grandparents. They'd want to start a workout program, and I would typically direct them to just start walking at first. People don't realize how much walking can help the body, not just because we're meant to walk, but because it, it's basically, if you broke down the different movement patterns that the body can, can do through in an exercise program... Walking is one of the most complex movement patterns that there is because your whole body's involved. Your arms are moving, your your torso's moving, your hips are moving, your legs are moving, and they're they're moving in, in different patterns. So being able to get out and walk, and again, like I was mentioning earlier, if you can walk 30 minutes a day, even if it's in increments of 10 minutes three times a day, there's, there's a lot of value in, in, in starting there. Now, the body is very smart and adapts fairly quickly. So once somebody got into shape or they could walk, let's say, for 30 minutes straight and not be out of breath, 
then you want to change up your routine and you might want to walk faster. So if you, if you are counting steps or if you're counting your speed on a, like an Apple watch or a whatever a smartphone, you want to walk somewhere between two and three quarter miles per hour to about three and a half miles per hour. That's sort of from research they found that is the best range to walk in for a period of time. Once you get that under your belt, I urge all, all my clients or people that I even talk to to incorporate strength training into their routine. Strength is relative, so that's not necessarily going into the gym and deadlifting 300 pounds off the floor. That's working with weight that you can handle uh, relative to your strength. And so initially, that might just be body weight. So it might just be doing lunges or squats or push-ups or hip thrusts. And there's different variations of those depending on where you are in terms of your fitness level or in terms of your ability even to get down on the floor and then be able to get back up again. Because I've, I've dealt with clients up until their 80s and they come in and over a short period of time show remarkable improvement in, in their ability to move around and their ability to, to lift things that are heavier than they thought they could uh, when they first started. I have one client in particular who has been with me now for a couple of years. He's 78, and I still train him one-on-one -on -one a couple of days a week because he came to me right after he had a stroke and had gotten out of physical therapy. And when I first met him, walking with a cane and really hard to move around, and I incorporated over time now, I incorporated strength exercises, mobility exercises, and even exercises that worked his brain as well as his muscles. So having him move his arms in different directions at the same time, for instance. And his ability to move around now is so much improved from what it was you know, when I first met him. He doesn't walk with a cane anymore. And he has less of a limp than he did when he, when he first met me. And his wife said, you know, I saved his life, which, you know, is always gratifying to hear. And, it, you know, I enjoy working with, with him because he comes in ready to work two times a week at, at the age of 78. So it's, uh, it can be done at any age. That's a great story. Just from a personal curiosity standpoint, since, uh, I've been kind of avoiding the gyms, which are now closed in our area, but I was somewhat hesitant before. But I've been using cables. What do you think about cables for stretching and stuff? Are they attached to weights or are they just like bands? They're bands, except you can attach the weights. I mean, they're, yeah. different, they're different weighted bands. Yeah, I think those are great. I, I use those myself. So, for instance, let's take squatting, for instance, because that's a... You know, something that if you go to Asia, you see old people squatting all the time. Now, squatting is a difficult exercise for a lot of people because they lose flexibility and mobility in their ankles. And some of the movement for squatting down starts at the ankle. 
And so what I do with clients who have that issue is I'll start them in a chair and we'll sit down in the chair and I'll have them sit at sort of the, the front end of the chairs so they're not sitting back and I'll, I'll have them just stand up from the chair without pushing down on their legs or the arms of the chair, what have you. And, and sometimes people can't even do that. So we have to start with some sort of aid to help them up. But that, that movement mimics a squat. And over time, again, you, you keep progressing them to the point where eventually they can squat. And then lo and behold, they find that their ankles have a little more flexibility and mobility in them because they've been working on it. So, and, and you can even modify push-ups. So if, if somebody can't get down on the ground to do a push-up, there's nothing wrong with starting out doing a push-up off the wall and, and, and doing that until you get strong enough. And once you get strong enough and you feel that becomes easy, then take it down. Maybe do it off kitchen counter or bathroom counter. And, and do it from that angle. So as you go lower and lower on your angle, or you decrease the size of the angle between the floor and your, your legs, it's going to get harder and harder. Eventually, if you keep doing it, you're going to be able to do a, a push-up off the, off the ground. Just different ways to progress. Yeah, it's really interesting to hear this, and, and it makes so much sense. I mean, if somebody were had not been doing weightlifting, you wouldn't expect that you're going to start with a really heavy weight. You're going to start with something light. So it makes sense. And with all the rest of these things, that the, uh, you don't start out with something that's too challenging. I suspect that could even be one of the things that would turn somebody off from, from exercising as they try and do something that's too hard for them. And it's an exercise should be fun because, again, play is one of the the really basic activities that, that we start out with. Again, when I was training in the gym, I ran a class called Fit Over 50. We would do exercises, but we would also play around. So I would play music, and at some point, I would have everybody just start dancing, just, you know, just to mix it up. Because again, that's movement, and you know, you're getting a little bit of cardiorespiratory benefit by moving around a little quicker. You can do simple things like taking a, um, say, a medicine ball and picking it up over your head and slamming it down on the floor, then squatting and bending over to pick it up, and then continuing to do that. That's an easy exercise to do, especially you want to be careful with your back, so you have to know how to squat and, and sort of bend over properly. But that's a simple exercise to do, and that builds power. And power is an important aspect of getting stronger too. So it doesn't, power doesn't necessarily mean you have to uh, go out and push an elephant across the room. <laughs> you, you, you just, you can incorporate different things to, you know, get the same end result. It sounds just from your, your examples that you have a number of, of older clients and I have a number of older listeners, we cover a broad age range, I guess both of us, but I assume then that we shouldn't be discouraged if somebody reaches a certain age and exercise hasn't been part of their routine, that there are modifications that can be made if you see somebody who knows what they're doing about it and that it 
it's just a healthy way to live at this age. Yeah, and, and the danger is that as you get older, are constantly losing both muscle mass as well as bone density. For women who are prone to maybe osteoporosis, for instance, there are a number of simple exercises you can do to help increase your bone density. Because my, my wife deals with, with osteoporosis, and we, we do anything from heel drops, where she just will go up on her toes and then drop to her heels, to carrying weights around or like a weighted backpack when we go walking, just to have that stress put on her body. And that helps increase her, her bone density. So she doesn't take any, any medicines for osteoporosis, none of the shots that they, that they give. And she was able to move herself back from osteoporosis to osteopenia. And that's just from, you know, simple exercises. There's a lot of different things that exercise can do that can, can really help. And there's also been research done, and they, they went into aging facilities and worked with men and women who were in their 90s and had no muscle mass left. And they basically started them on an exercise program with one or two pound dumbbells, which was the most that they could do. And they, they measured their, their muscle before and then after. And even in their 90s, by just doing simple exercises with light weights, they were able to incre- increase their muscle mass. So I tell people, there's no excuse at any age that you can't get stronger. That's really encouraging. Thanks for letting us in on that, because that, I think, is, uh, can be a lifesaver for, for many people. If, if we can stop the decline and actually reverse it, that's a really good outcome. We've got a limited amount of time, but there's one kind of question that's kind of been hanging in the background. I know for myself, I have no ACL in my left knee. I probably... If if it would have gotten torn at a later date, it probably could have been repaired by now. But in those days, unless you were making millions of dollars in professional sports, the surgery was all open and, and pretty extensive and they weren't doing it. So I'm wondering, you know, if somebody is concerned because of some major injury or, or some of the conditions you talked about, is the general plan, do they see the physician first, a certain type of physician, or is it something that you screen for? What, what does, you know, uh, somebody like me is listening to you and say it makes a lot of sense, but, uh, you know, I hear lunges. It, it's even painful to, to hear the, the term. Uh, how do I address whether, it's, address whether it's safe or not? Okay, good. and that's a good question. And you, you always want to get cleared by your physician before you start an exercise program, especially as you get older. So that would be the first thing that, that they should do. So let's, let's just take squatting or lunging because people typically think that that's hard on the knees. And it can be, especially if it's not done correctly. So form, performing the exercise with the right form is very important. 
if you were going to lunge, a reverse lunge is easier on the knees than a forward lunge. But let's say that you can't perform that exercise at all. If somebody was able to, I would put them on the floor and I would have them do hip thrusts without being able to (laughs) show that through a podcast. It's basically where you lie on the floor with your feet on the ground and your knees are up and you put your arms out basically perpendicular to your body and you, you squeeze your glutes and you bring your hips up. And what that will do is basically strengthen your, your glutes, again, being your biggest muscle. But it's also mimicking you know, different movements, different movement patterns. Now, let's say you can't get down on the floor. So you can bring the floor up to you. So, for instance, and sometimes you need a gym for this or a workaround. But, for instance, the client I mentioned who had the stroke. He couldn't initially bend over to get down to pick something up off the ground. So I took a 18-inch box and I had him do basically a deadlift with the weight starting on top of the box. So he didn't have to go all the way down to the ground. Same thing with the slamming of the ball exercise that I mentioned. I had him slam it into the box. So again, he didn't have to bend down to the floor. So there's a lot of different variations and modifications that you can make to mimic movements that you might not be able to do because of an injury of some type. And, and believe me, I know a lot of them because I've had, <laughs> I've had shoulder surgery and I've had uh, some other issues. So I've had to do some modifications occasionally for myself as well. Well, I think uh, when people reach our ages, I think, you know, if you've lived uh, an active or even inactive life, there's probably uh, a collection of conditions or injuries that you have to work around. And it's good to know that you can. So Mitch, I could be spending, you know, all day talking on this subject. I mean, what you have to say is just tremendously interesting to me, but I have to keep in mind those people who are listening to this in their cars and maybe have arrived at their destination and their boss is waiting for them. So one of my unpleasant tasks is to draw this to a close, but it's, it's been, you know, a real, real tremendous source of information. Again, you should be real proud of, of your own personal journey as well as what you're doing to help others. So uh, let me, before we quit, find out what, since people can work with you online, what services do you offer and how do people get in touch with you or learn more about you and, and your services? Uh, several different places they can go, I guess. Uh, and yeah, I, I do everything pretty much online now. So, and I work with clients all over the country, so it's, that's not a problem. And I have, I offer several different types of programs depending on what someone's needs are the best place to reach me would either be on my website which is mitchconfitness.com and that's my last name is spelled k-a-h-n which is the german spelling or on my facebook page which is mitchcon 75 i think 
but either either place they can they can find me and and feel free to reach out with me and if, and I'm happy to answer people's questions too so if people reach out to me I'm always glad to to help and is your work with them is it one to one or do you have groups or what what is what does it look like when they when they work with you it can be one on one or it can be in a group so i i do both i work through an app of a phone app or a mobile app that they could put on their iphone or ipad if they're an Apple lover or an Android device if they use that type of uh, product. And then some of my programs also include either one-on-one coaching calls and or group calls. Most people find that 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 works well. And I've also done, especially in the early days of COVID when I was first going online, I did some... uh, some training of people just off of a, off of Zoom and would watch their form through Zoom and be able to correct them and give them give them advice. I think the most important thing for people to realize is that if you really want to make progress, you need to have a plan. You can't just Google workout plan and think it's going to work for you because everybody is so unique that you need to really have a a plan that is designed for your goals and any physical limitations you have and and most of the plans that are out there on the internet or if you find them in magazines are geared really toward the general public and a lot of them are going to be geared toward younger people and it doesn't necessarily work for especially older adults so all right, well, it's uh, again, it's been really great speaking with you. I think that listeners can definitely see that it's not like you're somebody who all this stuff came easy to you and you've always been fit and you can't relate to somebody who is either out of shape or is just starting out, you know, or is dealing with some medical challenges. So I hope people will take advantage of the opportunity to follow up with you, Mitch. We'll have the contact information in the show notes, as well as obviously on the podcast. And I would like to, again, thank you very, very much for starting our year in a such an informative way and a way that will help people to transform their lives we're all hoping that 2021 is going to be a little more positive year than, than some of us experienced last year. And it'd be an ideal time to get in shape or to stay in shape. So. Yeah, exactly. I, I appreciate the opportunity to come on, uh, come on the podcast, Ron. And uh, yeah, my hope too is that 2021 brings us back to some level of, of normalcy. Yeah, let us hope. And uh, on that note, Going to close things out. This is Dr. Ron Kaiser. This has been Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. Our special guest today was Mitch Kahn of Mitch Kahn Fitness. Uh, again, the contact information will be available in the show notes. Please visit our website, the Mental Health Gym, for all kinds of wellness information and related information. 
If you haven't picked up your copy of Rejuvenating the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm, hope you'll visit Amazon.com and uh, check out one of the one of the formats, whether it be printed ebook or uh, audiobook. In the meantime, I want to wish all of you the very happiest and really healthiest of new years. And I'm hopeful that this podcast takes us a step in that direction. Thanks again to Mitch, all of you enjoy 2021 and be back next week when we will have another interesting guest who will help you to be your best, the best version of yourself and live life with enthusiasm. Take care now.